Welcome to WebRush, the weekly talk show that brings you stories of real-world development from industry experts and developers like you and me. Each week, Ward Bell, Dan Walleen, Craig Shoemaker, and John Papa find out what it takes to write, deploy, and maintain apps that stand up to the demands of the real world. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome back to Web Rush. This is episode 221, and today is all about an inflection point. When big releases come out, it's kind of nice to talk about what is the big deal. Is it a big release? Is it not a big release? And should it be something you're looking into? It's all about SvelteKit 1.0's release, which I believe was in December, or at least that's when I read the blog post. And we've got a return guest, not a one, not a two, but now a three-time guest on WebRush. And we'll introduce him in just a moment. But first, my name's John Papa, along with my co-host, Craig Shoemaker. And Craig, who's our guest today? Our guest is Kevin. Yes. How do you pronounce yes. his last like our name? Best friend. How do you pronounce <laughs> Kevin's last name, Craig? <laughs> okay, so we're going to give the shot. Uh, Abeg Kul Talati. That's wrong. I know yeah, that's very I mean, wrong. It's, it's 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 not very close, but but it's, it's kind not of very close. close. <laughs> You're brave, Greg. Kev, Kevin, yeah. do, do us the yeah. favor and, and tell us how, how do you yeah. pronounce your name? Yeah, so I'm uh, Kevin Uberi Kultalakti. So it's so that's two two last names, Swedish and Finnish, because why make it simple? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's awesome. And you've been on with us a couple other times by our check. We just did a quick look up and it looks like you were on two and a half years ago and one and a half years ago, both times talking about Svelte in different ways, huh? Yeah, it's it's almost like I like I work with Svelte a lot and I like Svelte. <laughs> it's almost and like who would have thought. And for those of you out there who are not familiar with Kevin, let's reacquaint you. Kevin is the co-founder of Svelte Society, where he tries to spread the word of Svelte to a larger audience. He runs Svelte Radio and does streaming on YouTube. Kevin, what is Svelte Society? Yeah, so Svelte Society is, uh, it's kind of a loose organization of Svelte users around the world. Uh, it's, it's the official, unofficial community side of the, of the Svelte org. So it's, it's separate from the, from the kind of like the, the maintainer team and all of that, the, the people that actually do the, the cool work. Um, uh, we just do the community stuff, events, uh, YouTube, Twitter, articles, um, all of that. I, I was going to say non-technical stuff, but it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's obviously technical as well because we, we teach Svelte. So yeah, that's pretty much it. We, we run a, a podcast as well. So fellow podcasters. Um, and that's your podcast is Svelte Radio. Yep. Yeah. Easy, easy, easy to find and. Yeah, we like podcasts out there. Um, I, I happen to know one. What, what is that podcast I know? Oh, that's right. We're on one. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> WebRush. There we go. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm getting old out there. But yeah, I think it's cool. I think of Svelte Society as like uh, DevRel in a way, but it's not owned by a company, right? Svelte isn't owned by a company or operated kind of like Angular's Google, you know, React is at least originating with, you know, Meta or Facebook. Svelte is kind of its own thing, isn't it? You just have to send Rich Harris like steaks once a quarter or something like that. <laughs> Pretty much. Okay. No, no, but like, <laughs> so it's, it, it is kind of interesting in, in that it, it's very, like, it's, it's not like the other communities, I, I'd say. Like you, you have, you have the, like you said, you have the React and you have the Angulars and you have the views and all of the, the, the other frameworks, but even, even this is separated, right? So, so we have this, this separate, 
DevRel org that's it's not backed by any company, but it's it's still interesting to me as a, as a DevRel to to see the difference between how how the the Svelte community has grown and and sprung up from from this small tiny framework compared to something like React or Vue or, or Angular even. And, and if you really compare them, I guess, let's start, before we get into Svelte, let's start by kind of just placing and figuring out how do we categorize Svelte? Like we mentioned React, Angular, and Vue. Is it right to say that it kind of fits alongside those? Is is it different? How is it the same and different from those? To, to most people, just looking in from the outside, maybe you're a backend developer or you're a any, any kind of developer looking in at the, at the web development for like the world of front-end web dev, which is gets a new framework every every other day. Um, it's it's just like React or Vue or Angular. It's a bit more opinionated. Uh, we do things a bit different. We try to emphasize uh, developer experience a lot. So, um, but yeah, in in essence, like if if you know React, you could move to Svelte pretty easily, and probably the other way around. Uh, it's 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 a another variant of front end web dev. Well, one of the things that really stuck out to me when I first started using Svelte was that while it's true that it's it's a framework, I mean, obviously there's there's it has syntactical things that you need to be aware of it, you know, all that. But it felt much more like I was just writing JavaScript like as close to that as possible while I was still using a framework. And I, I think that that might be one of the characteristics that that kind of sticks out a little bit different from some of these other contemporaries. I'm going to call you out there, man. Every time I hear somebody talk about why they love React, like, oh, it's, it's just JavaScript. That's why, I, <laughs> that's why I like it. So is it, are they wrong or are you right, Craig? Well, no, I'm, I'm well, certainly wrong. Um, but... <laughs> But I, I think the fact of the matter is, is that when you're when you're dealing with React, there's a lot of uh, of the I don't know how to put it. There, there's a lot of pieces and components of the library that you need to interact with, and the way that Svelte is works is that uh, there's more of that that's done uh, during the compilation time, and so it kind of gets out of your way in that sense. The same work is done. It's just you don't necessarily have to do that lifting. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, so, so I've I've been in the in this felt world for so long that I I've almost forgotten like how how the other <laughs> frameworks work. So, but yeah. So first off, like there's a compiler involved, right? That's that's a big difference. Um, there's no VDOM like in React. Uh, so you get this surgical updating of the of the of the variables or the things that you want changed on 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 the screen, I guess. Supposedly a lot more performant. Not sure if that's true today, uh, but the developer experience sure is very nice. Yeah, I'll throw water on, on the performant one. Not that I don't think it is or isn't, but I think any of us, just like uh, statistics, you know, we can use any statistics that we find from certain scenarios to kind of prove our own point these days. I've seen I've seen people say that, hey, look, you know, this framework is ten times faster than this other one. And that might be true in a certain case, but I don't think those are great generalities. And, and quite frankly, they don't really they don't really help, right? So, uh, yeah. So, John, one of the things I like about AG Grid, which is a, a data grid component for the kind of complex uh, grid scenarios that we encounter all the time in enterprise apps, 
One of the things I really like about it is that it works for a variety of frameworks, Angular, React, Vue, or, or just vanilla JS. Does that ring a bell for you? Oh, it really does. There's all these different companies that I work with where they have no choice but to use a lot of these different tools because they have different teams working on them. So being able to port their code or share that code and that technical investment they have is really important to them. Yeah, well, it's important to us, uh, ideally, we're a consulting company. And, uh, you know, we never know what our client's going to want to use, Angular, React, Vue, but they're all going to need a grid. And it's great to be able to reach for uh, the one grid that works everywhere, AG Grid. You know, at at any size company, too, because you could have these teams that maybe they only use one framework, but eventually they're going to switch to another one and be able to take that investment again and use it, reuse it is really nice. So if a multi-framework data grid makes sense to you, please go check out AGGrid at ag-grid.com. I have a question for you, though, on this Svelte React that you just mentioned about compiler. What does that mean? What what does the Svelte compiler mean? Because I don't think we've talked about this in probably since we had Rich Harris on the first time three years ago. I guess uh, a good starting point is describing what a Svelte component actually looks like, right? So a Svelte component is basically just HTML markup. So you have a you you got to have a script tag and you got to have a style tag and the rest in in the file is just HTML. And in your script tag, you write your JavaScript and in your style tag, you write your CSS. And then once you compile the the, the code, Svelte takes all of that stuff and it creates a, a JavaScript, I don't know what, what you would call it, but a, a JavaScript file or, or string of JavaScript. I don't know. Um, and it kind of optimizes and figures out, oh, this this variable changes here, so we just need to update this thing over here. I don't know if this makes sense. Um, something well, like I, that. <laughs> I, I think that it's, it's hard because like once you know something, we've talked about this before in the podcast, once you know something, it's no longer uh, easy to talk about what the way you learned it, right? You, you, you already know it. it's the curse of knowledge. So you already know what this thing is. So how do you go back and do that? And, and I'm going to try to give you my perspective too on kind of what you're saying and, and tell, me, tell me if I'm off here or not too because I'm not even entirely sure if this is right. But mm-hmm. with React, Angular, et cetera, we, we run a build process. Like they all have an NPM run build step that we do. So that's different from a compiler. The build step is putting the files together. It does a bunch of different things. So we're not talking about that with compiling. Um, they all have that or they at least should or could. <laughs> the difference is probably in, in the, like, like in the other frameworks you have a, you just have the bundling step, right? Where it yeah. takes the, the, all of the files matches it together, figures out like, oh, we should split the files here, here, and here. But in, in Svelte's Code splitting, case, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, but in Svelte's case, we have each file is actually compiled into a blob, blob of JavaScript. And that's then bundled in together and then split up. And that, that JavaScript with Svelte, I feel like the difference for me, one of the clicking events beyond the, to me, the usability, which I think is a great experience, uh, like Craig said, is that what is compiled JavaScript and Svelte isn't Svelte anymore. It's just native browser JavaScript, HTML, CSS, right? There's no Svelte stuff in it other than it. Yeah, there we input one thing and came out with with JavaScript. Exactly. So so there's a there's a tiny 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 runtime for for Svelte that it shipped. So, but but those are mostly just like making it easier to create an element in inside of another other element or you you know interacting with the DOM basically. Right. 
but in a more efficient way. Okay. But other than that, it's basically just like uh, check if something is 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 a dirty variable. If it's dirty, rerun the the thing and update the the value, etc. I appreciate that. I mean, there's it's one of those things that it's hard to tell. Like I know you didn't create Svelte, I didn't create Svelte, Craig didn't create Svelte. Just trying to think about the things we use and what makes it different. The other frameworks, while they all have a runtime of some kind, you're right. Svelte's got this tiny little thing. It's mostly JavaScript's output. The others all have much more of a footprint of like if you go inspect the code for an Angular app or React app, you're seeing more of those Reactisms or Angularisms yeah. or Vueisms in the browser. It's kind of the way I've looked at it. And yeah, that's that's definitely true. Like if if you go write a, a Svelte component that just has like a script tag that says maybe let name equal equals world, that then that would compile into comp, some something that's a bit different. Like you would still have the let name equals world or whatever, but you would also have all these other methods that actually handle the, yeah. the interaction with the DOM. But yeah. And now we're going to fast forward because Svelte's been out for several years now. And this, yeah. this new thing, which really isn't that new because it's been talked about for a couple of years too, uh, came out almost like, uh, I'm not going to call it Svelte V2 because it's not really that, but there's a yeah. new incarnation of Svelte called Svelte Kit. And its release was just a month or two ago uh, at the time of this recording. Uh, Svelte Kit 1.0, it says here. I'll put some links in the show notes. What exactly is Svelte Kit? Yeah, so so SvelteKit is let's see if I can do this in English. Uh, so so SvelteKit is to react what no no what next is to react is, is that is that correct? What so yeah so React is like Svelte and Next is like SvelteKit, Svelte Kit. right? Yes, yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. our words are escaping us today, folks. Sorry, but bear with Kevin and I. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not a native native English speaker as well, so try and try and hear. <laughs> It's okay. Um, Craig, Craig is the one who's great at grammar here, so I'm going to get him to validate oh. we're doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so SvelteKit is was released in December. At we we did a special podcast episode where we released it. Um, we got the the first release candidate way back in September at Svelte Summit, but then obviously there were some bugs and stuff that needed fixing, and we finally got 1.0 in December. So now you can finally go use Svelte Kit without actually having to explain to your manager or whatever that it's it's actually you can actually use it in production. You know, it's it's production ready. It's Fully production supported. ready. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a long time in the making, uh, but yeah, I, th- I think it's 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 finally out. Feels very nice to be able to recommend it properly. I guess what what's changed what's difference what made felt kit 1.0 like the thing that was ready to go other than you know it's production quality ready and all that stuff what what sort of features yeah so uh if if you've been following felt kit's journey uh since the start it started out looking like uh, a project called sapper which was the the what would you call it the the earlier version of of a Next framework or a Nuxt framework for for Svelte, uh, so it looked a lot like that, but it added adapters. But then, along along the the axis of time, it it changed a lot, and they figured that oh, we need this feature in here before we actually move it to to 1.0 because once you once you reach 1.0, it's it's hard to change things, and just. I think it was this summer we got some pretty huge breaking changes that completely changed how you work with Svelte Kit. So, yes, thank you. We, 
There was a migration script. It, it kind of worked. No, it, it, it was great, but like you still had to do some manual stuff, of course. Yeah. And um, it was beta still or alpha or whatever you call it. Yeah. yeah pre-release. Yeah. 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 Uh, but I mean, it's so, so I, th- I think the features that they wanted to get in were basically features around loading data and uh, handling forms. Uh, so these were two huge um, features that really changed how you worked with SvelteKit. Moved kind of from doing it on the client into doing it in the backend endpoints that SvelteKit. So SvelteKit has backend endpoints just like Next or Nuxt. Let, let's dive into the, the forms aspect of it because you, you mentioned something in, in the, the pre-show conversation that was kind of fascinating about uh, kind of where the world is right now. Right. Yeah. So I'm I'm sure a, a lot of listeners are are familiar with doing regular forms in in something like React or Angular or Nuxt or any any of these frameworks really. And the the th- the thing that you usually do is that you write out a regular HTML form, but then instead of actually using like the the form the the native form stuff that is in the web browser, you hijack the unsubmit function, right? And you do some kind of fetching somewhere on the on the client, and you you handle all of the data loading there, and it it just becomes kind of a mess. So SvelteKit kind of moves back back to the basics, kind of. <laughs> uh, so the, the, I was just gonna joke that now we're throwing away all the Ajax stuff that we talked so much about for so long. <laughs> yeah. So, so the way it kind of works is, uh, since since we have a compiler, uh, and I'm I'm not entirely sure exactly if there there's also an extra comp- compilation step in SvelteKit. So on each form, you have a method and you have an action, and then on the action, let's say you you, you want to pass off the the data to some some kind of endpoint somewhere. That's that's you you can do that in any framework, right? As long as you have a backend that takes the the data. But what fl- what SvelteKit does, it basically translates the the action into corresponding to a specific form action on the data endpoint. So you can do uh, something like action equals slash create. And that would that would correspond to in your data file, that would correspond to your actions.create method, which would then get all of that form stuff. And you would do your fetching or or sending off data to the database and then sending data back. Not sure. That, does that make sense? The the explanation. This reminds me a lot of ASP.NET MVC. Uh, did you have any experience with that? Don't know about that. No. What about you, John? Does that kind of ring some bells? It does to a certain degree. I think it, at the high level, yes. But knowing how both of them work to a certain degree, there's it's definitely functionally different in a lot oh, of areas. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I, I could see the ASP.NETer in me who did it for many years is like, yeah, I, I've been here before. <laughs> um, kind of. Kind right. of. Yeah. So I, so I think the thing that I'm curious to find out is like, okay, so there's been this shift of mechanism, right? Yep. But what what's the reasoning behind like why did the project go this way? Oh, that's a good question. I I think I think we'd have to ri- ask uh, Rich about that. Um, okay. I think probably so. He started working at Vercel, right? And uh, I'm not sure if maybe he saw something or talk to someone there. Maybe it's, it's also a bit reminiscent of uh, Remix, I think. Uh, I haven't worked a lot with Remix, but I, I think that works in a similar way. They use form action forms a lot. 
Yeah. yeah. And they call things like that, like Remix and these others, uh, they call them meta frameworks, right? And, yep. and the way... Yeah. And SvelteKit is one. Yeah. And it's actually right in the announcement. I'm actually looking at your announcement here in Svelte Radio, um, Christmas special like that. Yeah. And under it, um, <laughs> the blog post outlines a couple of things that I like. And one thing I like when people explain something to me is from the Svelte team, which uh, and Svelte society, I like when people explain it in a question. Because it helps me understand kind of what, what is exactly is happening. And, and I'm just going to read a couple of the bullets here. These are questions. But what they're trying to explain here is, hey, if you've used felt before, you know that you like it and it does, you know, the DOM and makes it easier for building your interfaces. But it leaves unanswered questions. And this is from the blog post, not my opinion. Yep. And the first couple, like the first two, by the way, are two of the biggest ones that I always have is how do I structure my code? which a lot of these meta frameworks try to help you with and give you a guided path because there are like a million ways you can do it, right? Uh, how do I add server-side rendering? I mean, once you do that, that sounds so simple. It's just a feature, but now your code is on the server running and it's no longer being processed in the client the same way. That brings in a whole slew of other issues. And then it gets into how do you do routing that works both in the server and the browser because now you're server-side rendering and you're in the browser, how do you fetch data, as you were just alluding to, Kevin? I mean, fetching data is the endpoint on the server. How do you go get it? How, how do you optimize your build? How do you deal with service workers? There's all these questions in there. Million questions, um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I, think, I think these are the questions I assume that Rich and the team tried to set out to fix. And the thing I really like, and Ward says this a lot, Ward, by the way, uh, one of our co-hosts, uh, runs a consulting company, and for years he's created his own software. And he says something to me once, it's like, I feel good when I create a product and I know there's somebody else out there already doing it because it kind of validates that this space and the problem that I'm addressing is a real problem. You know, when you're the only one doing something out there, it's kind of feels good for a while, but then you're like, well, right. <laughs> am I doing problem this am I right? <laughs> and Silkit is solving a problem that React has, that Angular has, if you has, and they all have their own meta frameworks around this. So. I, kudos to you for contributing to this. I, I love how this is all put together. It's like I said or mentioned. I'm I'm so deep into this. Like these these concepts of of like how do I handle routing? How do I do this? How do I do that? Like it's 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 all so obvious to me. Working with this all of the time, so it's 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 probably something I need to improve a bit on on like how to explain what what actually is Svelte. Because not everyone is into all of these new fancy frameworks that pop up every other day, right? No, not all of us have time to play with all the new flavors of the week that are out there. Yes, yeah. To be honest, when people say that these days, flavor of the week, I had this conversation earlier today with somebody. I like to remind people that many of us, not all of us, many of us were around when there truly was a flavor of the hour JavaScript framework. Um, like things were popping up seemingly daily and disappearing the next day. It was just absolutely, it's like watching the stock market, right? You know, up, down, up, down, up, down. I mean, you get sick looking at it. So to me, these days, only having four or five that I can choose from is a blessing. It's like, wow. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's exciting when, the opposite of exciting when, when it calms down a bit, I guess. Maybe, maybe it is actually exciting that it's kind of calming down. I don't know. <laughs> hey, are you building apps in React, Angular, Node, or some other framework? Well, with NX, you can build your full stack apps in a shared mono repo, integrate with modern tools, and reinforce best practices. 
You'll get advanced code generation and automatically configured tooling like Cypress, Jest, and Prettier that will simplify your workflow. NX also helps you simplify the relationships between applications and shared libraries to make it easier to share more code and develop more consistently across teams. And the best part is you'll build higher quality apps and spend less time on configuration. So visit nx.dev to get Narwhal's popular open source toolkit for monorepo development today. And Kevin, and Kevin, we talked earlier, you said one of your favorite things that you wanted to talk about, and you mentioned this word a couple of times, is adapters. Tell us more about that. Adapters. Uh, basically, SvelteKit has this feature where you can you download and install an adapter, and an adapter is basically taking the the, the output of of the build process and adapting it to a deployment target. So you you could have a you could probably have like an Azure uh, adapter. Uh, you could have a Vercel adapter. You could have a a Node adapter or a static adapter. And the static adapter would be just static HTML files or and, and then you would take that uh, adapted output and you would throw it up to wherever target deployment environment you want to run it in and it should just work. Uh, so so I, I think that's a bit different than some of the other frameworks where it's, it's very easy to move from one platform to another. You're not really locked in to, to one cloud provider or another. And you can always just like, Build it to a node, node output and run it on your own VPS or dedicated server somewhere, which is nice. I, I kind of like that. I, I don't like being locked into to one provider. Um, and I, I, I think that's a, important to a lot of people, that the fact that they can move in case something in case something happens that they don't like where they're currently at. So if you run an adapter for for one cloud provider, let's say, and then you do it for an alternative one. Yeah, I would imagine you have things like connection strings, environment variables, and things of that nature. But beyond that, what sort of manual things are left over outside of the build process for you to do? So un unless you're using uh, like platform-specific features, uh, so one, one example of that would be uh, Cloudflare's KV thing that they have, right? That that's probably not something that exists on all of the others. So if, if you're using that, you you would have to figure out some way to to move away from that. But as long as you're just using the the basic stuff, uh, you you don't use any proprietary features of of the platform. It should it should really be as simple as just like in, npm install adapter Azure or adapter Vercel, and then just switch. And of course, like like you mentioned, environment variables, like you'd you'd have to to put those in somewhere, of course. Does this uh, tie your Svelte project to a specific provider if you include the adapter in the source code? Like if I say I want to use the Azure adapter and then later I want to deploy that to Google Cloud instead, do I have to rebuild and compile my application or trying to figure yes. out what the difference is with the with the cloud platforms? Yeah, so I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I, I haven't worked personally with, with Azure or Google Cloud or um, AWS a lot, so... I'm, I I don't think there's anything other than just like installing the the adapter and running the build process again, and then pushing it up somewhere to run it. Um, obviously, if you run a, a VPS of of any kind on any platform, that should work regardless. If you run the Node adapter, so okay. Full disclosure, I'm on the product team for static web apps for Azure, mm -hmm. <laughs> and you said that you have a lot of uh, uh, experience doing it with Azure. I was noticing on the the, the Svelte Kit website, 
under the build and deploy, there isn't a uh, static web apps entry in there. Yeah, that, no, so I, I think you misheard me. I, I don't have a lot oh, of you experience. Don't. Oh, no, I thought sorry. you said you did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I can probably answer that anyway. So, so the, I'm, I'm not familiar with the, the, that particular product, but, mm-hmm. but the, there's a static adapter that you should right. be able to run and then just get a, a static bundle that you can just upload to. Not sure how it works, but you know. Yeah, it looks like there's a set of uh, built in adapters. And then there's community provided adapters too that people can write and customize. So, uh, and there's a whole bunch of them I can see here of products I've heard of and products I haven't. And <laughs> it's it's kind of funny because you, you, there are even some people that have made Chrome extension adapters. So you you can actually just oh that's fascinating adapt it to Chrome extension. Yeah, that would be. I mean, doing Chrome extensions is not fun. It's right. just not. So that's. <laughs> Be really cool. <laughs> From somebody who often happens to be the tester for when Craig creates a Chrome extension, I, I, I can attest to that. Right. Hey, I created a new Chrome extension. That's usually when I roll my eyes. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> oh, no, not again. <laughs> We're bringing Squiggly Be Gone to the browser, John. It's going to happen. Oh, no. <laughs> so, what are you mentioned some other things too. Uh, tell us more like about what are some of your favorite features of Silk? Like, what, what should people get excited about? Yeah, so so I mean I I'm so sold on the on the forum stuff that I that I talked about. I, it's actually so one one thing that I forgot to mention is is the progressively enhancing. So in in Svelkit you have the when when you work with forms and you send off a form the it, that usually reloads the web web page right. But in Svelkit we have this super simple thing. It's just called an enhance function that you just plop into your form and then it automatically handles it on the client. So you don't get any real reloads or what, what you would call them. A hard post back is, yeah. So so wait, you drop enhance on your form and it enhances your form. Why would I want a form that wasn't enhanced? Well, it, it's it's more of a... Of a <laughs> well, more progressive of a, enhancement, right? That's, that's, yes, exactly. Yeah, it's no, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, I got gotcha. you. I was just thinking, it's kind of like saying, I'd like a really clean room or I'd like a really dirty, <laughs> filthy room. Right, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, so, so to clarify... Um, these these form functions and all that stuff it works if you have JavaScript enabled or disabled. That's the thing. And then if you progressively enhance the form, it also just like handles it on the client instead. So it's a bit gotcha, more seamless, gotcha. right? Because HTML yeah. forms have existed for a long time, and obviously we can do more enhancement with things like JavaScript, CSS, etc. I'm just teasing you, by the way. It just sounded like a great thing. Like, why wouldn't I want to be enhanced? You know? No, no, like I an agree. enhanced human. <laughs> I'm going to throw the enhanced tag on me. Yeah. And it's funny also because the 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 enhanced function is called a svelte action, which is different from a form action. So, so that's a bit confusing. But yeah, actually, I see that right in the notes there. It's like, yeah, and they even called out in the docs. Like, yes, it's a little confusing that enhance action and form action are both called action. <laughs> sorry, it even says sorry. So the docs are apologizing too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they should change the name. I don't know. It's, <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so so to, to clarify something we were talking about a moment ago. So it's not as if the Ajaxy type of uh, of interaction doesn't exist within SvelteKit. It's just it's layered on top of that. And then the way that the the server aspect of it is configured is to recognize essentially a form post or get or whatever. Um 
but it does that so that it can facilitate the the progressive enhancement and still work exactly. even without JavaScript. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of the the key features of of handling forms that way, I suppose. Can you talk a little too about the, the file structure? I know it's not exciting or flashy, but uh, I know so many developers get <laughs> stuck on file, file structure. structure. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> this is actually uh, one of one of those things that uh, a lot of people didn't like the change to Svelkit from before to, to the current paradigm. So before you could have uh, each, so, so Svelkit uses uh, something called a file-based route, routing system. So each, each file in your routes folder is basically one route. So that would be um, a folder called slash about would be your slash about route in your, in your web app. Uh, so, before, it used to be that you could do uh, about.svelte, and that would be enough. But nowadays, with, with, the, with the form stuff and the new data loading features that, that we have in SvelteKit, we, they, they, they kind of separated it out. So now each folder is route rather than a, a file. So you, you would have slash about and then slash plus page.svelte, which is a bit weird. It's not plus, something you see like a lot. A plus sign, right? A plus sign, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that would be that would be the visual stuff for your route, anything that the user sees, and then in addition to that, you could you can have a plus page.server.ts or a plus page.ts, which would be your data loading and form actions. You don't happen to know why the plus sign is employed at all, do you? It, I, yeah. So so it's actually to to it's actually to move the important files. To the top, right? Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's another thing. You you can since since you have this convention of using pluses for the actual features of the route routing system, you you can co-locate components that you use in your routes. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. So so if so, the the general idea is basically that in in SvelteKit you have a, a lib folder as well, and that's where you put all your components that you use in multiple locations. But if you only use a component in one route, maybe just put that in the same folder, and you don't have to to really worry about putting it somewhere else. So that that speaks a bit to to structure, I guess. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. You have you have a plus error uh, for handling errors, and you have a plus layout for handling uh, stuff that wraps the the routes that are beneath it, basically. And is there a nested sort of layout um, mm-hmm. structure? Okay. So the plus layout in one folder would then get sucked up into the plus layout of the parent folder type of thing. Okay, exactly. Yeah, and then you have params in in the folders as well. So you could do hard square bracket id square bracket. That would be that would get you the params for the like the id param in in your loading function that you're using then. So it, w- with the release, did they include sample applications? Because I remember the first time I tried using Sapper, they had a I believe they had a blog template and then Svelkit had nothing. And I was kind of like, all right, so <laughs> what do I do here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so so every time you initiate uh, uh, a, Svel- a Svelkit project, you get to pick from skeleton app and uh, an example app, basically. Nice. Or a package. That's something we can talk about as well if you want. Um, uh, so the the example app basically has a, a full, uh, it's a, it's a, wor- it's a, is it called a wor- Wordle? You know the 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 game that was very popular, where where oh, you guess Wordle. guess yeah. guess words. Yeah, so it's called Swordle instead, instead <laughs> because it's felt, of course. And it's all 
using all these cool, cool functions, the form actions, the data loading, and it's all progressively enhanced as well. So it works without JavaScript, which is pretty cool. Um, so it's worth taking a look at. Kevin, thank you so much for joining us again. And we'd like to end, as you know, uh, our podcast with a final thought for each of our listeners. And I will turn the mic over to you. Of what's your final thought on Svelka? Anything else you want to share? Basically, you should you should all try it. It's it's a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, I just quickly wanted to mention the there's a, that there's also a, a package feature. So if you want to make packages for Svelte, like libraries, component stuff that you want to share. There's, there's a package feature that you can pick when you initiate a Svelkit project that makes it super easy. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And Craig, what is your final thought for the audience? Uh, I'm just going to piggyback on what Kevin said. I, if you haven't had a chance to try Svelte, you know, I talked about at the beginning that it kind of just felt like uh, writing JavaScript. It's the, the thing that's fun about trying different frameworks is that there's, you're always going to experience some sort of mental model shift. They all start, solve the same problems, but they all say, solve them in a little bit of a different way. And so even if you don't use it in production or you don't use it you know, widespread, just having that exposure can just help make you a de- better developer throughout. Are you talking to me or the audience, Craig? I'm well, sure. Well, you know I'm only talking to you. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> I'm always only talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, for, for my final thoughts today uh, is go give it a shot. Like, I, I think everybody here knows I'm a huge fan of Svelte. Give SvelteKit a shot because there's a lot of cool stuff that it's doing. One thing I didn't like about Svelte so much before was I kind of felt like because it was so quick, because it was so easy to use, because it feels so good, it's so fast, lightweight, I felt like there was a lot of the boundaries that I liked about things like Vue and Angular where it gave me a little bit more that it just wasn't there quite yet. And I feel like SvelteKit is filling in those gaps for me uh, without becoming a bloated framework of any kind. Uh, and by the way, I don't think any of them are uh, of the four big ones. But uh, I feel like Svelte has really taken that next step in its maturation process with Svelte Kit. Um, is it perfect? No. I, there's, you know, one of these days we'll have to do a what's wrong with each of the frameworks <laughs> podcast. <laughs> that could be fun. <laughs> it could be fun. And it's, it's from a standpoint of I love all four of them. So it's kind of cool. But, you know, <laughs> there's always things you wish the other one had. And my final thought is just go give it a shot and definitely give a listen to one of our uh, favorite podcasts out there, Svelte Radio. And if you aren't part of Svelte Society, please, please join it. You get to work with great people like Kevin. Absolutely. Hey, Kevin, thanks again for joining us. It was really great. Yeah. Thanks for having me again. Love talking to you guys. Yeah, and thank all of you for listening to us for another week on WebRush. Thank you for our sponsors, Ionic, Narwhal, AG Grid, and IdeaBlade for keeping us on the air every week and for all of you for listening to us every Thursday morning. We'll see you next time.